Watch new listeners, I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you want to mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we'll be covering the DreamWorks animation movie Kung Fu Panda, what a classic. And we're also going to welcome Joey DiCarlo from So Wizard Podcast on the show. He's going to join us for the conversation today. Hi there, Joey. How's it going, everybody out there? It is a pleasure to be here. Uh, great to finally get to talk to you uh, in podcast land, Arthur. And it, it's great to be here for all your fans and your listeners and ready to talk some Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on here. And it's really exciting to cover this. This is, a, uh, just, you know, say right off the bat, it's a favorite of mine. One of my favorite, like, all-time favorite animated movies. And we'll be diving into that. And but before that, though, do you want to give a little introduction to your, to your show? Sure. Of course. Yeah, uh, pretty simple stuff. I mean, so is our podcast. We started in 2014. We are a movie and TV review, nerdy TV movie review podcast. Me and uh, two of my friends. Markellis and Aubrey, every single week. We haven't missed a week in eight and a half years. We review a movie or TV show that falls in that kind of nerdy genre area. So your horror movies, superhero movies, sci-fi, action. Sometimes we stretch the uh, limits of what we cover, but for the most part, we stick in our niche and uh, we have a good time. Uh, We have our fourth member, Adam, who runs all our YouTube content. So we have our YouTube channel and that's separate. From the podcast, that's all our interviews and unboxings, trailer reactions, kind of visual stuff. And Adam runs all of that stuff. I wouldn't be able to even imagine to know how to do video, but he takes care of it for us, thank God. And uh, that that's really the show, man. It's 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 a wild, crazy time. Me and my friends reviewing movies, and people seem to like it, so I'm not going to complain. That's good, yeah. And, you know, you know, uh, congratulations also for just never missing a week. I mean, that is quite a feat. <laughs> I'd like to think that it, it's a feat, but more of it is just we really don't have much going on in our lives, so it's pretty easy to not miss a week when we're pretty uh, boring people. But there's been a couple times it's been close. There's been a couple close encounters, but otherwise, uh, it, we, we've got it running like a machine at this point, generally. you know, For example, we're going to be doing uh, Black Adam coming up. As you and I record this, so I've, I went to see it this weekend. We're going to record on Monday night, edit and drop it late Tuesday night, and then promote all week. In the weekend coming up, we're going to go and see another movie. Nice, nice. Keep the ball rolling. I think once you're in the grind, it's kind of easy to be there and do it. I think if we took like three or four weeks off, all of a sudden I'd be like, oh man, I got to go to the movies this week. Oh man, I got to record this week. <laughs> I'm sure Mark would, to a slump. Right, Mark would be like, I got to edit this week. <laughs> it's it's easy when you're in it. I'll be editing. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's easy when you're in that grind, I think. Uh, you just kind of get used to the grind. But I think if we stopped or anything for a reason, I don't know if we'd be able to jump back into it. I think if we ever had a chance to start over again, maybe we wouldn't kind of put out there that, no weeks off uh, mantra and like motto because maybe we'd be like occasional weeks off or something like yeah, that. Give ourselves a little bit of a break. Take off the pressures. That's a bit. That's right. But again, glad you're here. And now let's dive right into Kung Fu Panda. Now, uh, first off, we'll start off with we'll start with the uh, general thoughts and feelings on the movie. So yeah, what do you think? 
I'd never seen this before. Uh, Ooh. To be honest with you, I'd, I'd never watched it before. My daughter was the right age when it came out to go see the movie theater, but my um, brother-in-law actually took her to see it. So I didn't get to see this in the movie theater. And when you're a parent uh, and your kids see a movie without you, then you're going to definitely try to not have to go see it yourself. You try to avoid as many kids movies as you can. And, and for me, it was just, it flew under the radar. I never, never saw it. And this going back to our podcast schedule, a lot of times, if it's, if it's not something we're covering on the show, uh, I, I just don't have time to watch it. That That's, that's it. Um, I don't have much time to watch stuff that, is not podcast related. So it just flew under the radar for me and I had never seen it before, but yeah, I know that's crazy. Right. Especially because you're saying it's one of your favorite movies of all time. Now I feel like, Oh man, I'm totally insulting Arthur right now (laughs) (laughs) by saying I hadn't seen his, one of his favorite movies, but uh, I did, I did watch it for the first time. Thankfully it was on HBO max. So it was easy to get, um, I have the ability to search the internet and sail this high seas to find things if needed be, but I, I was able to watch it right on HBO Max in full HD, so that was good, and I, and I liked it. It was a very nice uh, kids movie. It was a nice, cute movie. Nothing crazy, nothing out of the ordinary, but I, I, there were some things I really liked about it. For the most part, I just I just enjoyed watching. I thought it was a good time. Well, uh, sitting down for about an hour and a half and just enjoying a movie. Turn your brain off, have some laughs, and have some fun. Good, good. And so, so see, you watched this on HBO Max. It's funny because I actually have this on DVD. The mm-hmm. old DVD that I had years ago, and I was able to watch it on that. Also, brings back some nostalgia for the old DVD days. But I really enjoyed this, so very, very much. Like Again, one of my favorite movies, as I stated before, uh, just... I think the way that the the way that the story is written and the and the themes and animation, the vocal performances, particularly Jack Black's uh, vocal performance, I think all of it just combined together into this movie that is really just you know in, in my opinion top notch all the way. Even the, the score by Hans Zimmer and and John Powell, which I mean right there you, that's a that's amazing that you have a collaboration between them. You've got Hans Zimmer, who's probably my, my favorite composer. And then you've got John Powell, who composed the soundtrack for How to Train a Dragon, which I also, I love the score for that. And you've got two of them together making this amazing score for the movie. Honestly, I, I, feel like, I feel like when you put all of those elements together, it really makes this just uh, this powerful movie. It really, I think it has an emotional weight to it with the messaging and how it delivers that. And I feel I feel like this movie I, I feel like this movie does get a lot of love, but I would love but I would appreciate if it could get even more of a love, you know. Especially since the sequels. I, I think the sequels are also good too. Not as good as the first movie, but like also like really strong still so, sequels. And I'm excited to see what will happen with uh Kung Fu Panda Four, which is scheduled to come out in twenty twenty four. How did they split up composing? Did they each do separate songs, or was there only one thing done by Hans Zimmer? Uh, so what, did he just do the theme, or when, so when I look when I look up the tracks, it just says like for each of the tracks, it'll just say Hans Zimmer is on Powell. So it feels like maybe like they just teamed up for the whole soundtrack. It's not mm-hmm. like they handled. The they work together. That's cool. That's cool. I was not expecting. I did not know that. That's that kind of knocks me on my seat. 
or out of my seat, I guess somewhere it knocks me somewhere to, to think that Hans Zimmer did uh, Kung Fu Panda. That's 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 pretty wild. That's wild. I, so I, I associate him with more like serious movies. <laughs> yeah, like you know, Inception or yeah. the, the Dark Knight trilogy or Gladiator. Mm-hmm. All of which you know also fantastic scores. Or Dune, you know, that's also amazing. But yeah, just again, really, really, really love this movie. And even like Jack, Jack Black, so the energy that he brings to Poe. I really just love that performance, and it's, it's, I think it's probably one of the best vocal performances I've heard, and I'm excited to see what, what he'll also bring to Bowser and uh, upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie. I, I decided about the whole movie, but specifically for stuff like the animation and Jack Black's performance, I'm pumped up for that. Yeah, I, I'm very excited about that Super Mario movie. I love the Mario characters. Obviously, I'm 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 of that age where I was right that right age when the NES hit and everybody was going wild over <laughs> Mario Brothers and the cartoon and and I just remember the crushing disappointment of the first movie that they made. This was just it, it's just bad. And oh it, yeah, it, I, have, I love. It. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I love it as a bad movie. I I appreciate it as a bad movie. It's a classic bad movie, but. As someone who is a fan of the franchise, it it's ba- it's even worse. <laughs> it, it just it was a nuclear bomb. It's not good, and it scared Nintendo from doing anything with their franchises forever. I mean, they are so tightly wound with letting anyone do anything. And you'd think, like by now, maybe we'd have a Zelda TV show or cartoon anything. movie or a Metroid something. Oh, Metroid. But yeah, you know, Pete like yeah. Austin is like she's been fighting for trying to get you know a Metroid movie that she can star in, and it's like yes, I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, it just they got so scared by how bad that movie was. It's taken until now <laughs> to get them to do something again. So I am really excited for that movie. I, I've, I've seen the trailer on YouTube, and then today when I went to the movies, the trailer played again, and I think everything just looks perfect in it. I think it looks legitimately like a perfect representation of the games coming to life on screen. It's just going to be a little, the only thing that scares me really is Chris Pratt's voice as yes. Mario. Yes. And I understand, I understand the backlash. Like people want Charles Martinet or Martinet, whatever his name is to be the voice of Mario, but he, he does great in video games. I don't think you're going to be able to sit for like a two hour movie and listen to him go and make baby yeah. sounds. I mean, I'm not asking, as Mario for the whole time. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not asking that he, that he does the voice of the whole movie, but I don't know. Just personally, I'm like someone with a different, like a higher pitched voice or someone with more energy. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. the way that fast sounds in the trailer, it just sounds <laughs> kind of dull, kind of bored. Like he just went into the recording booth for a few days and just slapped out the lines and then he hops back out. Yeah, it, it definitely gives off a vibe where he's not, he's trying to not be Mario from the games, but he's trying to be Mario more from the cartoon TV show. Like, like kind of like that, that New Yorker X and yeah. hey, Luigi, get over here. Yeah. And that's not really where Mario's gone since God. I mean, like Mario brothers, even before the nest, like, there's, there's been a long time since Mario's been a Italian plumber from New York. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've had that voice for Mario. So maybe that's just their way of kind of bringing in the casuals. Be like, this is what this guy would sound like. But uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I'm sort of like, you know, I'm anxiously looking forward to it. You know, kind of nervous, but also excited. Yeah, I, I just, and this kind of brings it back to Kung Fu Panda is that I always 
kind of in the last year or two, I felt like animated movies are I just, I'm, I'm so sick of see the trailer and then it'll be like, here's the cast. And it's all these celebrities where there's tons of voice actors, a, who would work a lot cheaper than, you know, whoever <laughs> I'm sure Chris Pratt is not voicing Mario for cheap. Uh, I'm sure he's not getting a ton of money, but because he's probably recording remotely over Skype, but he, he's not getting it for cheap. Whereas there's tons of voice actors out there that could use the opportunity. So that was my main concern when the opening credits of Kung Fu Panda are coming along when I'm seeing like Angelina Jolie, Dustin Hoffman, <laughs> Jack Black. I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. Um, but I thought in Kung Fu Panda, everybody did a really good job and some of them even disappeared into the role. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't feel like it was just, here's Angelina Jolie and she's just reading lines off a piece of paper. Yeah, I feel like yeah, vocally, everyone is doing like a good job or even like a, like a great job. Also, I will say, I feel like my only like gripe with the movie is that I feel like The Furious Five, like character-wise, they don't really get much to do in the story. They very much have like little, very little screen time and I feel like I, I feel like Tigress is the one who has the most development out of the whole Furious Five. The other characters, mm-hmm. I really don't get a sense of like who they are. Even you know, and I feel like even like in How to Train a Dragon, I feel like the, the friend group that Hiccup and Ash should have, even they have you know kind of like characters. You know, it's not fully fleshed mm-hmm. out. It's more thin, but still, I I can describe who they are as characters. For the Furious Five, again, aside from Tigress, I can't really describe who they are. Yeah, it looks nice on the poster to say Jackie Chan is Master Monkey. Like, that looks great on the movie poster. But, I mean, anybody could have voiced that role. They didn't bring anything to it that was um, exciting or or maybe say, thank God they paid the money to get Jackie Chan in here for this. Um, And and that's probably, and I'll agree with you, probably where the movie fails the most is giving us more of the, that five people, that five team, um, because we're, we're, we're told that they're the best. We're never really shown that they're the best. So we don't really get to see them do much. I mean, I keep, keeping out of spoiler country, aside from like one fight. Yeah. And I feel like that's where you're like, Oh, does the expertise they bring. And, and, and when they're training Poe too, when they're training Poe, yeah, okay. you, you get to see their expertise versus him. But uh, it would have been nice to to open with maybe showing them doing something so we understand why there's an expectation that one of them is going to be the dragon warrior. We're, we're told that they're going to be one, one of them is going to be. We're, we're, it's, it's expected that one of them is going to be, but we're never really shown why other than they live in that place with the masters. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, those are our general thoughts on Kung Fu Panda. And now we can segue onward to our wind-up scores, and this is where we give a score that ranges from 0 to 100 for the movie. So, Joey, what is your wind-up score? Again, from 0 to 100. All the way up to 100. Okay, um, I'm going to put it at a 70. I'm going to say a 70 is, is a good score. And I think as a kid's movie, that's enjoyable, and you can sit and watch it. As a parent, that's like that's worth an extra 20 points right there. <laughs> that's the, the amount of terrible, awful movies I've sat through as a parent um, to have one that's actually watchable and enjoyable. Fantastic. Yeah. So that it's a 70 out of a hundred for me. Yeah, that's definitely a, a valuable quality. Um, yeah. Just thinking about some particular animated movies right now. And just like, Oh, 
wouldn't want to set those goals again. Yeah. All right. As for me, my wind-up score, I'm going to give this a 95 out of 100. And yes, I know it's quite high, but again, this is, again, one of my all-time favorite uh, movies, like animated movies. Even just generally, as for me, you know, uh, just a general movie. Just again, just hold, uh, I hold a lot of nostalgia around this. And just I think it's just really well crafted again going back to the story and how it you know lays it out again we'll go deeper into this and the plot breakdown but there's just really some points in the movie where i'm like wow like this i feel like you made a you made a pretty clever decision here with the way you want to tell this narrative nostalgia is a hell of a drug man (laughs) there are movies i i love from when i was a kid that are probably really bad and if I handed the DVD to somebody who had never seen it, they probably wouldn't like them. <laughs> I try to make my kids watch like Flight of the Navigator or something. And they're like, I'm like, this is the best movie from when I was a kid. Oh, my God. I love this movie. And they're bored out of their minds. So, <laughs> Same thing. Original Halloween. We watched that uh, last Halloween on Halloween. We watched Halloween Ooh. 1978. I was telling the kids, I'm like, I don't know if we should watch this. It's real scary. When I was a kid, this was like the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I didn't sleep for like three weeks. And they were completely unimpressed. Oh, uh, wow, just made really? fun of everybody's 70s clothes. And that was it. <laughs> so. I mean, that is like, you know, it is like a slasher horror movie. It should be terrifying yeah. for kids. Really. Yep. All right. Well, those are minus scores now. And we can move on with to the plot breakdown. Uh, yeah. Now we're going to put out the spoiler warning. So listeners, uh, if you if you haven't seen the movie, you can, you know, pause this episode if you want to. You can go watch it. And again, listeners, you really should watch it. Again, Hungry Panda. Fantastic, in my, in my opinion. But if you have seen the movie, or if you haven't, but you're okay with listening to the episode, then you can stay right here. Uh, all right. So this is, again, Hungry Panda. Uh, just the way, the way this opens up, I am all, I'm, I really love the way it opens up because we get into this uh, dream sequence that introduces, introduces us to Poe, who is like apparently a kung fu warrior, and I love like the 2D animation here, and I love how it gives us a clear insight into Poe and his character, even just with that line where he says, Legend tells of a legendary warrior whose kung fu skills were the stuff of legends, and just how enthusiastic and like very like, you know, awesomeness he loves awesomeness I, I thought the animation was really nice and, and you're right it does set the it does set the table and, and not knowing anything about this at this point walking in cold so i i was like oh okay he's already the uh kung fu panda he's already the the best in the world it, and it actually turns out to be his dream which was pretty funny on top of that so. <laughs> yes and, and just yeah again this new sequence he gets he just gets to go wild here imagine like he's you know at top of this game and also uh wayne knight he also gets a vocal cameo as the bull who was challenging poe and it, it, even when he when he says like his enemies go blind from pure awesomeness and he gets to fight a bit with the furious five but the prologue he comes to an end eventually and he wakes up back in the real world and the shot of him when he's lying upside down is foreshadowing for the movie's final shot of him and, and shifu when the camera is showing them lying upside down. Mm-hmm. And then um, he, he's he's living in um, the noodle shop at this point. That's where we get to find out. <laughs> and he's helping his dad, Mr. Ting, uh, with the shop. 
And they don't really explain how his dad is like a bird. Yes, I goose, I goose <laughs> he's a panda. I goose specifically. Yeah, they never. Yeah, they never get into that. But like, even towards the end, there's a point where you're like, oh wait, is I going to answer the question? But no, they go off into a different topic. And I have a feeling it's the way the way it's portrayed. It feels like it was meant to be like a joke, even in the commentary, because the two directors of this movie, uh, Mark Osborne and John Stevenson, on the commentary, they do talk about the whole gag like it's just another joke, which is interesting because in the sequel, they do delve deeper into that. Without, again, without getting into spoilers, they delve deeper in, into that question and actually make it an integral part of the story and Kung Fu Panda 2. Now, who was the actor that played his dad? Oh, Because the uh, voice sounded really familiar to me. So. Uh, James Hong. Who, oh my yep, god! He's been in tons, of, tons of roles, and which of course most recently everything ever all at once, which is my number one movie of the year right now oh, as we record this. It's mine. <laughs> it's mine too. Yeah, yeah, man, that guy has been in everything. <laughs> it's wild. Last I checked, it's wild. Last I checked, he was more in than six hundred fifty roles from movies and television. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. He was an airplane. Oh man, I'm trying to remember other things. He was in Tango and Cash. Uh, Blade Runner. Yep, yeah, oh, he was in Blade Runner. He was on um, Agents of Shield on TV also because I remember when he was on it. I was watching it with my wife, wow. and she was like, "Holy crap, that's the guy from uh, Big Trouble in Little China." And I'm like, "He's in everything." I, know. I was even I I was watching an episode of Alias, and he ended up popping on there for like 15 seconds. Yep. <laughs> I was <just> like, what <laughs> the hell? The man will work. He's got bills to pay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always glad to whether I, whether I'm seeing him or hearing him. Just always glad for his presence. And then we set we set up how Poe he isn't really like happy with his life here at the noodle shop. He aspires for more. Even though like and Mister Ping is kind of like you know he he's hopeful that Poe will take over the shop in the future. But Poe is like yeah you know I don't know. Yeah, broth runs in their blood, according to. Uh... <laughs> According to his dad, uh, they kind of go out of their way to show that that Poe is is really good at working in the noodle shop on top of that, Mm -hmm. which I think is good foreshadowing for later in the movie when you start to think, well, maybe he really isn't supposed to be the Kung Fu Panda. Maybe he really should be back working at the noodle shop. Yes. And and then we cut to the Furious Five uh, training with Shifu, the Tigress, Monkey, Crane, Viper, and Mantis, a whole group there. And again, you get some big names. Anthony Jolie, uh, Jackie Chan, David Cross as Crane, Lucy Liu as Viper, and Seth Rogen as Mantis. And then, of course, Dustin Hoffman as Shifu, the Red Panda. Big names here. Yeah, it's a, a, a crazy cast for uh, an, a kid's animated movie. They spared no expense on the voice acting in this. So Dust, even Dustin Hoffman is a huge, huge star. Giant. I, I, and it's just like it's the same thing. Jackie Chan is a, a living legend, but I think with uh, Jackie Chan, he's been in genre type films. So you think to yourself, okay, well, somebody could probably approach him and say, "Hey, you want to do this?" and explain to him what it was, and he might think it's cool. Uh, I wonder how it went with <laughs> Dustin Hoffman to explain him the role outside of just writing the check. But uh, it's a pretty impressive voice cast. Yes, and and, and I will say, speaking of money, the budget for this movie was. One hundred thirty million dollars. So mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, how much of that went to the voice cast? 
Right, right, right. Because that kind of goes back to what I said before, you know, like you could have probably got this done for a hundred if you'd had just regular voice actors off the street. So I don't know, but hey, you know what, Zach Zach. I feel like that is the one again I'm rooting for the most. That is a great Yeah, that was that it was important. His performance pretty much makes the movie. Yeah. So and then also the box office, it's also did bring in the box office of six hundred thirty one point seven million dollars. Tons of moolah. Yeah, that that's it's a big hit. It's a huge hit movie. I mean, we're talking about something that came out in 2008, and it's still popular today. It's got sequels. It's got a TV show. Even like I'm the, sure if they Netflix would, series. Yeah, 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 yeah. If they make a um, sequel, people will be go, be lining up. So uh, they definitely knocked it out of the park, pretty much. We haven't gotten any details yet on Kung Fu Panda Four, but I'm you know I'm so pumped for it again coming out in 2024. Oof. Oh, it'll happen. <laughs> And and then back to Shifu, he's just really, I, I love how tense he is throughout the whole movie. He's <laughs> just so anxious. Even when he, when he goes, because after the training, he goes up to Master Uguay. And just how, and this whole interaction here is such a contrast because Shifu is so, so nervous and then Uguay is so calm. And he's like blowing out the candle so slowly. And eventually Shifu just has to blow them all out at once. He can't wait. Too impatient. Yeah, I, I was. I thought that was was quite funny. I was like, "Oh man, are we? How how long are we have to wait for this guy to blow out these candles here?" <laughs> Thankfully, he took care of that for us. Uh, they did a good job with a lot of the humor in this. That was something I found pretty funny. Yes. And now, uh, Uguay informs Shifu that he has had a vision that Tai Long will uh, is going to break out of Shogun Prison, and Tai Long is like a snow leopard. And oh, by the way, Uguay, he's like a turtle. Yep. Every every character is a different animal. That doesn't quite make sense if you think about it, but it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it all works. Professor of Disbelief. It's like, hey, it's a, yep. this is a, a fantasy land where anthropomorphic animals exist. And it all... Yep. This is a fantasy land where a goose can give can father a panda. So. And a lot of them, you know, plenty of animals to train in Kung Fu. Yep. And now, uh, and now again, Shifu is just so nervous again, and he, and uh, and Zhang, he tells Zhang to fly to Shogun and warns him to amp up the security. And I feel so bad for Zhang here. Just throughout the whole movie, so, like he's just also very, he's very nervous too, and he's just mm-hmm. so skittish. I liked when he showed up at the prison. How um, all the guards were all like big burly rhinos, and they were all <laughs> just like. There's no way he'll ever break out of this prison. And then, of course, he breaks out of the prison, but <laughs> spoiler. Oh, yes. But it, it was pretty amusing that, that they were able to uh, pull that off, that he was able to uh, break out after all the buildup that he couldn't. But yeah, I, I agree. I thought he was hilarious, too. He's just completely nervous the entire time that something bad's going to happen, and then it does happen. Yep. <laughs> Almost like he willed it into existence. Predicted it. And yep. uh, by the way, Zhang, who was actually played by Dan Fogler, was, oh, wow. I, I know I, I was like, wow, like this is a movie that came out back in 2008, I believe, if I recall correctly. And mm-hmm. I don't think Dan Fogler was like that well known back then. And now Poe is determined to attend a ceremony that will judge who from the Furious Five is worthy of becoming the Dragon Warrior. And just all of the effort he makes to try to get in, because like, <laughs> even when he's climbing up the stairs, and it's that that's the okay, a gag, and the camera pulled back, and the viewers he's just gone up just a few steps, 
that's iconic. <laughs> it's great. I, I I completely commiserate with that with him. I don't like going up huge amounts of steps either. And it was really funny when he's trying to get in the window. The window closes. He's trying to get up the stairs. He can't get in the stairs. He can't get in the door. Yeah, because it's um, late. The door is locked, and he's trying all these yeah. different attempts. We we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, it was it was pretty amusing. And then he eventually does get in through quite ridiculous uh, means <laughs> with the fireworks share and rocket him up into the sky, and he falls down right between Tigress and Uguay. And the thing mm-hmm. is, now here's the interesting thing, that if he had not fallen, Uguay would have chosen Tigress to be the dragon yep. warrior. And it does make me wonder, like, wow, like, how, would the, how would the story have unfolded if it, if it had gone in that direction? Would he have been able to defeat Tidon? I mean, who knows? Probably not, based on the movie. <laughs> yeah who knows but probably not based on the movie uh yeah it, it it's certainly comical and, and i was not expecting it at that point i was not expecting him to immediately be named the dragon warrior upon falling into the middle of their ceremony so that, that was quite amusing yes and and, and now i want to celebrate i want to celebrate what most everyone not the furious five or shifu they're all like what happened and even like mr ping he came in he was like what <laughs> and they're all like what and but Uguay is just so calm about it. He's just like you know he is, he's 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 trusting the whole situation. He has faith in the universe, and and, and even like the gag when like Poe is a bit too heavy for the for the letter as they're carrying him away. <laughs> it's it's actually commented a few times that a lot of, a lot of uh, there are characters like Shifu who do make fun of him for the uh, for his weight in the movie, and but it's funny because actually like his weight is normal for a panda. It's not like he's particularly big. You know, yeah, that's just how like pandas are. And I, I don't know if um if this was made today, I don't know if they'd have as many jokes about him being fat. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I feel like maybe they'll probably cut that down. It, it, it's, it, it's interesting because I was thinking about that, and I was like, well, wait, is this actually like fairly good fat representation in the movie? But the mm-hmm. thing is, like, he is the lead, he is the hero of the story, and especially towards the end it ends up portraying him as being able to use his weight as a way to fight. Like, especially mm-hmm. when, when he fights Tai Long, it's portrayed as a positive part of his character. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's a kid's movie. I think you gotta uh, just accept the jokes for what they are, but I'm not the type of person to get offended over everything. So you never know. But I think for the time, it was fine, and it was very funny. And after this, we do get, this is when we get to see Jang arrive at Shorgam as messenger, and, this, and, and we get to the prison stuff. Uh, also, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, he also has a, 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 a bit of role in this as a commander of Fashir. He's uh, the main rhino. Again, this is uh, not okay. Really okay. That's, <laughs> that's pretty funny. I wonder who called in all these favors for uh, for these actors, but that's that's pretty funny. Uh, I thought the, the rhinos were quite amusing. They, uh, I loved their like manliness about everything when they were like, he's not going to break out of here. There's no way. And you're like, nope, uh, they're going to be wrong soon. And even like uh, Michael Clark Duncan, he has, such a, he has a really like deep voice, this resonating voice yep. that I also thought really appropriate for as a commander. But Tylon, because they take the elevator ride down, they visit Tylon for a bit, and Tylon, he ends up tucking away a feather that had fallen off of Jang earlier. And so you're left going like, hmm, what's he going to use that feather for? You know, and We'll find out later on. And then back to Poe, he he goes to the, he's taken to the, the palace. 
And this is another moment where he gets to be the, like a little fanboy when he's just ooing and eyeing over all of the antiques, like the invisible chiden of destiny. <laughs> and and breaking some of them. Oh, yes, the legendary urn of whispering warriors. <laughs> and I, and even, even that little bit, I love how when, when he actually breaks it and he ships it around, you can, it also has like the green fog. And you can hear the you can hear the voices, the murmurs, <laughs> and it's just like, oh no! But, <laughs> but also, any any credits? I don't know. Did you did you watch the credits for the movie? No, I did not. What happens in the okay, credits? And the credits, as the credits play, it will actually have like these visuals scrolling throughout the credits, and one of the visuals is a it, it sh- shows the, the urn being glued back together. <laughs> it tells more of a story afterwards. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Now, the only the only question is if the disembodied voices got back inside of it after it was glued together. So. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. Just so <laughs> the entire attention by me. That's right. And 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 now Shifu he comes in and he is just so high on Poe. And honestly, look, I would be, I would be as well if I seen him break in. In, in this particular moment, it's like, ooh, you're not looking too good. You know, like kind of incompetent there. And I feel like Tigress, for a lot of this movie, she definitely holds a lot of resentment towards Poe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like also, again, understandable because she was kind of the dragon warrior, and now she feels like Poe has just snatched that right away from her. And, and this is also when we, we when we get introduced to the Wuchi Fingerhold. <laughs> she threw temporarily traps Poe and holding his holding his pinky. Now, was that a real was that a real move or was that oh. like a trick? Like that that was what I I thought at first. Like they were playing a trick on him. That's not even a real move. But then later on, he uses it himself. So there's it's kind of a gray area. So in this uh, in this movie, it is supposed to be a real move, and they're, they're actually talking about it. They talk about it in the commentary. It is a real move. And they were just trying to come up with a way to uh, to get rid of Tai Long at the end. And they were trying to come up with all of these tactics. And then eventually they just landed on coming up with this completely like random move. Like, what if you hold someone by the pinky? And they thought that <laughs> it was just weird enough and that it would be able to work. And like, you, wouldn't even have, you wouldn't have to necessarily explain what happens when, when you use this move. Like, you know, does the person just disappear entirely? Are they sent off an alternate dimension? Not really mm-hmm. a, a clear explanation for that. But again, they were just like, well, you know what? Again, wait enough for the movie. Let's use this. It, it works. It definitely works. Uh, I was a little confused at the beginning, but I definitely had it figured out by the end. So, And we segue into Poe's chanting session with the Furious Five. Uh, and he and Poe wants to start at level zero. And this, this, this whole session, he really did not do a good job at it. And even when he even when he was trying to fight the dummy, just totally backfired on him. And I I also love when Shifu says that they use the dummy for training children and trapping the door open when it's hot. Yeah, they do a great job right in this area, kind of like building up the fact that he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Uh, none of his training seems to go very well. I did appreciate uh, when he hit the dummy or when he ran on that like obstacle course. <laughs> like all spikes and turning logs uh, and fell over. It was quite amusing. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, man, something's got to give either way because he's not going to defeat the enemies. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like something else to happen. 
he is uh he, he is a mess right now so it was imp- it was important that the movie got us somewhere else to this because it was it was amusing but it started to be a little scary when you're like oh crap this guy is coming <laughs> and again you can understand it, where, Shifu, where Shifu is coming from why he feels right. like, he can feel the hatred just emanating from Shifu yeah. because he's like god yeah. I'm dealing with this absolute idiot who doesn't realize how much <laughs> time and dedication that needs to be spent on his craft and then all the other characters who are ex- who have been training their whole lives who have expected to get this title also have to sit there and watch this guy who's a complete idiot uh, take over their spot. So yeah, I, w- I really thought the training sequence here was really well done. Yes, yes. And then afterwards, we get some more awkwardness and more secondhand embarrassment when Poe overhears the Furious Five talking bad about him on the walk back, and then he has some awkward time in the palace while trying to find his room. Like he goes in the train's room at first. And kicks a hole in the wall, and you can see into into monkey's room. And then he has, and then tigress. He bumps into tigress, and she tells him like, "You don't belong in the Jade Palace." And she's just, just so upset about it. Yeah, and they they do a, a pretty good job here again as well as showing you know that he's kind of a goof and he's screwing everything up. And the other characters are getting just upset at this point. Like they're just, not, they're done. You know, it was funny maybe at first, but now they're just kind of like, uh, or what is this guy doing here? Yeah, <laughs> Get t- this guy out of here. Tigress is the only one who's being like, like again, upset about it, open about how much he hates Poe. The other ones are trying to be more like, eh, you know, let's be polite. You know, let's try, you know, let's try to be polite here and nice, but you can feel mm-hmm. how, you can feel how much they just, yeah. Gets on the nerves. And even and then afterwards, that's why I love the scene afterwards, is the movie does confront this pretty quickly when Poe uh when when Poe has a scene with Uwe, he's sitting out underneath the peach tree and he's like, I suck more today than anyone in the history of China and the history of sucking and Uwe just says, Probably and Poe is like, You should have seen the fire, they hate me and Uwe is like, Totally and he isn't saying it maliciously. He's just being like, it, it's weird. Like it's like truthful, not mean, but just like, hey, you know, this is this is the truth. Yeah, they don't they hate you. But Uwe offers up some wisdom. He's like, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. <laughs> and just like Uwe, like, what, what do you think about Uwe in general in this movie? I thought um, he was interesting for me, like. I just like that he was he was, was a mystery, you know, and that's that's kind of goes back to what he said. But like, he doesn't really give up to the to the main character. Everyone else wants does not understand why he picked Poe or why Poe was the Dragon Warrior. He knows, but he's just like, okay, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm just not going to hand it to you. Everybody has to earn it throughout the whole movie. So and and he had that kind of mystical like magical mysteriousness to him and he was also funny because he was a turtle so he's moving very slow all the time <laughs> which was great i loved when he disappeared uh while i was talking to sifu and it was just i thought that was actually pretty hilarious he just was like okay well whatever and just kind of walks off and disappears so. yeah i i, I love this character design as well just because, and because it's not like this is something we haven't seen before, like, you know, this kind of character who is just all like, you know, so faithful in the universe. It just trusts that all the pieces will click together the way it's supposed to. But the way that he is represented in the movie, I don't know, it just, uh, it adds, it adds weight to the story. And it, it feels, it, like, it feels, you know, it, it feels genuine. It doesn't feel corny or trite. 
especially yeah. with the message, right? Because this whole movie is about the message of you know believing in yourself. You know, as we learn towards the end, believing in yourself and your inherent abilities, and just you know trusting that things are going to turn out. You know, the, the pieces will click together. There's a there's a path for the universe that is laying down. Mm-hmm. And again, just it doesn't feel it doesn't feel it, it doesn't feel like you no know, cheesy, you know. It feels authentic, which I think is a an, an interesting thing for the movie to be able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, credit to DreamWorks because I feel like DreamWorks in general, DreamWorks animation deserves more credit for the movies they put out, like this, or How to Train a Dragon, or Shrek, or Megamind. You know, all these movies, even like the, the, the Crude. I love the Crude, especially. I never saw the Crudes, but you know, Mega Mind, Shrek, most of the Shrek movies, those are all classics. You know, just because it's not a Pixar movie doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Oh, yeah, so, um, yeah, people people kind of get caught up in that a little bit, but yeah, man, like Mega Mind is is awesome. Like, this is really good. You know, most of the Shrek movies really good. So, uh, e- even the ones that aren't that good are at least memeable. So, you yeah. know, B movie and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm just like, come on, people, stop sitting on DreamWorks. Come on, just like, you know, let's right. let's give this more love, you know. And and then we cut back to Tai Long. And now this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Maybe it, it could possibly be my favorite, like, fight sequence or action sequence in the movie. Because this is when he has a prison break. I think it's just one of, it's just such an iconic action sequence. I mean, it's a fight sequence in, in general for this movie. I gotta say, I, I love them. We don't really see a lot of this stuff in animation, but I feel like mm-hmm. this is this, the action sequences here are as good as I think a lot of action sequences you see in live action or like those old like you know kung fu movies. And I feel like this prison break sequence particularly is just it, it, it's top notch. Yeah, no, it it looks good, and like you said, throughout the whole movie, even the action sequences look really good they look well thought out and planned like a like a regular live action movie that you would see a a kung fu or karate movie whereas other animated things may not have that so to see this even if you just look kind of in the background you can see like tigers doing things or monkey doing things and they're they're doing actual like choreography like you would see in a live action movie which you don't normally see in an animated movie so that was definitely something pretty iconic for this movie. And the, you're, you are correct. The, the prison sequence, the escape is great. Everything from how he gets out to when he's running down the bridge and, and beating up all the rhinos and stuff like it, it's really well done. And I, I really like the lighting on it, too. It was really like kind yes. of lit by moonlight and it looked really cool. Yeah. Even just like the little moment when he unlocks himself, when he unlocks himself with a uh, with with feather from Zhang. In order to release mm. those needles, I think I think I think they're, they're like the acupressure needles that and yeah. that's what kept him paralyzed. And then even and even when he's climbing up, climbing up the, I keep forgetting is it stalact- stalactite or stalagmites, whatever. Like it's one or the other. One, I can't one, remember. One of, them. <laughs> one of them's on the ceiling and one of them's on the floor. So someone right now screaming at their their phone like, now it's this one. <laughs> Well, whichever one it is. These idiots. <laughs> Even when he's jumping up out those stones, that is just like, yep. man, like that confirms how much like, physical prowess he has and how much of a yep. he is. And what were your thoughts on Thailand specifically as he's being interviewed here? 
Yeah, I mean, just the way he moves and the action involved around him, it's it's like almost a different level. So we've been watching basically, I mean, obviously it's a kid's movie the whole way through. We've been watching like a goofy, fun movie. This is a whole different type of action that we haven't seen almost for the entire movie. So now we we really do believe this person is a threat. Like we've seen kind of the fun way that everybody interacts and they're they're doing their training and it's all fun and games and laughs and then... Now we have this character where, okay, now things are a lot more serious. And now you're even more worried about how is Poe going to be able to take this guy down? Because we've already seen he's terrible at his job as the Dragon Warrior. Now we've seen what he has to come up against. And it's something we hadn't seen previously in the movie or even in this setting at all. It's somebody that legitimately looks like, okay, this person is going to beat the living bejesus out of him i don't know how this this movie's gonna get real dark like real fast all of a sudden it's not gonna be a kid's movie anymore so they do a great job with that i love the contrast between that action scene and the way it's framed and the lighting versus everything else we've already seen yeah just so much menace surrounding thailand yeah also you you mentioned the lighting it also reminded me of the color how color how color Mm -hmm. represents in this movie and I love that as yep. well, because color symbology, whereas, for example, like blue, when blue is used in this movie, it tends to represent scenes that focus on Tai Long. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the, like, more, the, the warmer scenes, like red scenes or orange scenes. So it's focused more on like a, the hero's journey. And I, I'll admit, this is not something I picked up on. I, I found it out through the commentary. They were talking about it. So it's not like, it's not like I'm focusing on the details here, but still, it's like, it, it's, it's also interesting to watch the movie through that lens, how color is used to symbolize different mm-hmm. story beats. And that's something that's a lot easier to do in an animated movie than live action, but they did a really good job of it in this one as well. So. Yes, yes. And after the, after the prison break, all the rhinos are either knocked out or dead. They don't, they don't like ever explicitly show from getting killed, but I'm just like, yeah, some of them definitely did not make it out of this life. But Jang makes it out. Uh, tai Long sends him back with a message basically to stoke fear in the Valley of Peace. Well, that was good, because I was I was certainly worried about that character, so I was like, <laughs> this poor guy has been nervous the whole time that this was going to happen, and now it's happened. Uh, hopefully he's going to survive yeah. it. But he did, so thank God. It's a kid's movie. So. And then we cut back to the Valley of Peace. And by the way, the, uh, the shot when it transitions from the, from the snowy mountains of Shuagan Prison to the valley, I love how like it, it shows a uh, Thailand shadow and then it, it spreads out, it spreads out over the ground and then it cuts to the valley. And you can kind of see like there's almost like the, the shadow still remaining here for just a second. Mm-hmm. And we get, and again, back to the day, Tadis. It looks like Poe is gone in the morning. And Shifu and the Furious Five, so, you know, they're a bit excited, you know, happy. But then, nope, they find him trying to do a forward split. And again, he's just trying to put in more effort. And even when a, I, I love the moment when Shifu is like, put that down. The only souvenirs we can actually hear are bloody knuckles and broken bones. <laughs> and they, they, again, they don't take it easy on Poe. And Shifu, if, uh, Shifu really does a number on him. And also the moment when he tells Poe about using your opponent's strength and weaknesses against them. I like that moment there. I feel like it's also foreshadowing for the lessons that Poe uses towards the end. Again, mm-hmm. that's quite on. Yeah. 
That, the movie does a lot of that. There's a lot of foreshadowing throughout this movie of, of, and if you're, as you're watching it, you're not really picking up on it until it happens. But then when you sit down and think about it or watch it again, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, now that was that, this is what this was. And it, it, it starts to make the movie seem a little deeper than you normally would think upon first watch. So definitely um, there's a lot more going on here than just let's make a kid's movie. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I appreciate like the writing of the story. As I was saying before, it's just like, yeah, when you, when you, when you analyze it like this, you can realize like, Oh, there are all these little details that make it flow so smoothly. And then after the training, we have a bit of an, another staircase bit where Shifu throws Toe down the stairs again. So again, it's back to the stairs. And after that, we got the acupuncture scene with Mantis and Viper doing the acupuncture on Poe. <laughs> it's more of like, this is more like a slapstick comedy, and I was very much into it. I thought it was pretty funny, uh, especially once he's like halfway through and admits that he's never done it on a panda before. <laughs> so, not, not really what you want to hear when you're halfway through your acupuncture, but oh, no. it, it was quite amusing. And then Tigress comes in, and she lay, lay, lays out the exposition about Shifu. Uh, adopting Tai Lung as a baby and they're showing him Kung mm-hmm. Fu. And then we learn like that Tai Lung was basically going on this journey. Maybe he was going to become the Dragon Warrior and uh, attain the Dragon Scroll. But Uwe decided, nope, there's, there's darkness in him. And that's when Tai Lung ended up turning to the dark side, going on a rampage. I think it was, I felt like it was implied that he like went on a massacre or like, you know, he probably killed people along the way. At least that's. What it implied. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's definitely implied that some really bad stuff went down. So. Yes. And then he tried to steal the dragon scrolls, but Shifu it tried to stop him. But there was a moment of hesitation because Shifu like, was looking at him like, like a son. Yeah. yeah, and they show that in the animation. Like, he's got him coming at him, and he uh, sees him as the young child that he adopted instead of the you know, person that's attacking him. So that, that was well done too. Uh, I just, I wonder what had happened uh, after he didn't get the dragon scroll that they had to put him away in a prison, but. Well, and, and then Uwe, Uwe is the one who had to stop him by using the, the, the acupressure points to paralyze him. Mm-hmm. And then after that, that's when they put him away. And it was actually interesting because originally it's a whole plot point of him going on a rampage was not included. It was just that he tried to steal the dragon scroll. He was unsuccessful, then got sent to Shogun in prison. And Tut's audiences actually felt like it was too it was too sympathetic of a story for him. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with him too much. And so the writing ended up uh, being revised, the script got revised to add in the whole rampage part. That way it makes him more villainous. You know, it gives it yeah. gives more of a reason that you would send him to away to prison for such a long time because he was in there, I think for like what, like 15 or 20, 15 years, was it? Or years? Yep. It was like, yeah, it, it, it's good that they added that in because otherwise it just makes all of our heroes kind of seem like jerks. So <laughs> it's probably a good idea that they went back and fixed that. Again, like he, he was trapped in this like, in this pit, just like in the mountains with acupressure sticks, paralyzing him. Mm-hmm. And he was chained to the ground and stone all around yep. him. For all of those years. Yeah, so at least it, it lets you know that, that he's this is a very bad person and this is why he was that way, not just that 
he was upset that he didn't become the Dragon Warrior. So he he fought a couple people, and now he's going to be paralyzed in prison for the next 20 years. That was seemed like a little excessive. So I'm glad they went back and fixed that. Yes, yes. And, and, and now, uh, again, we can still feel some of the resentment coming from Tigress because I, I, there's a moment in, in the story when she's telling the backstory when she is shown as a child and she's standing with Shifu and the way that he treats her is just, uh, you, you can tell it's significantly colder than the way that he treated Tylon, much less parental. And I like and I like that little moment there. It shows that Tigress feels resentment. Like, it, it's not just about, you know, the whole Dragon Warrior thing. It's also that, it, it, it also stems from her not being able to get that kind of love uh, from Shifu. Yeah, it, it, and it really does kind of show wh- how invested in him he was. He is, he's ignoring all the rest of them or treating them differently. And it's it's definitely showing you, you know, this Sifu 100% expected him to be the Dragon Warrior. Like, it, it makes it you understand a little more why he's kind of ins- almost insulted that someone like Poe was picked as the Dragon Warrior. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, with the Furious Five, you can tell he definitely puts up a wall between him himself and the Furious Five, just because he, he, mm-hmm. can't, he can't let his, let his emotions get hurt again. He can't let his heart get broken. And and, and now after that, we get a bit more of the acupuncture gag when Toad makes like a funny face and he falls over. And <laughs> and, and Mantis is like, I may have accidentally tweaked his facial nerve and may have also stopped his heart. <laughs> and, Ty- and Tiger thinks that Poe is just being funny for a second, but no good back. Right, right. She just thinks it's once again him not taking things seriously. So uh, that was quite funny as well. And back to Shifu trying to find inner peace, but his ear twitches. Again, there's so much anxiety <laughs> while he's just sitting there meditating. And you know what? Maybe he should be anxious because now Zhang returns with the news of Tai Long's escape. And then at that moment, yep. he's just pausing there with, with his mouth open. And you can tell it in his head. He's just like, uh... How should I word this? And now we have the, the final scene between Shifu and Ugwe. Again, under the peace tree. And this this whole, just this whole scene, this whole exchange between them. You know, I just love that. It's the wisdom that Ugwe is trying to impart on Shifu. And he's like, you know, you, you may wish for an apple or an orange, but you will get a peach. As you know, <laughs> because Shifu is like, you know, trying to plant the peach seed. And he's like, I can control where it grows. And she and Uwe is like, well, you we can't control what it grows into, you know. This is very true. It, it's a it's a well done scene. It's a very well done scene, yeah. especially for a kids movie. Um, they they impart a lot of wisdom there, uh, for a kids movie, and it all makes sense within the plot of the storyline. So I I think it's one of the better sequences in the whole movie. I know, and, and even when Uwe is like, you know, because because Shifu is like a peach can't stop Tai Long, and Uwe is like, but maybe it can if you learn to nurture it, you know, care for it. Mm-hmm. And just even the score that's playing throughout this whole scene, it, it, it's just the track is actually called Ugwe Asen. And I particularly love, love the score in this particular scene. And then Ugwe, he gets yeah. whisked, whisked off to the spirit world with the petals of the peach tree. And just the, I feel like it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a fitting way for him to go out. I feel like someone as peaceful as him would also go out in such a, a peaceful a peaceful way. Yeah, and that that's good too, because at least he didn't have to um you know get beat up by <laughs> or anything. He just got his nice exit and he's <laughs> there's an there's a problem coming, but uh I'm out. See you later. 
<laughs> and now that Uwe is gone, we cut back to Poe and the Furious Five. Poe is cooking dinner for everyone. And it's interesting how in, in the scene, most of the Furious Five, except for Tigress, do, do warm up to him a little more. Well, because, you know, of how much they end up loving his cooking. Yeah, and the the good thing about this too is it, it they're kind of bonding, they're becoming friends, but it also still kind of draws you back a little bit where you're like, he is a really good cook. Like, is are we still on the right path here? Like, is he supposed to be the dragon warrior or not? Because Tai Lung is coming. <laughs> so again, the movie does a good job of kind of obscuring whether maybe he isn't. Maybe he should be going back to the noodle shop if he's that great a cook. But yeah. it doesn't really matter because now you're now you're even getting more worried. Like, holy cow, this guy's coming, and he is going to fight Poe. <laughs> and if he doesn't get serious about his training, this is going to be a very sad ending to this movie. <laughs> I know, and I also do like how Tigress is the one member of the five who is still, you know, he she's standoffish towards Poe, and she's like. So the dragon warrior can survive for months on end on nothing but the dew of the ginkgo leaf and the energy of the universe. And Poe is just like, well, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to survive on that. You know, like the, the ginkgo. <laughs> He's going to need a little bit more food than that, I think. Ginkgo dew. Um, universe dew. That's right. <laughs> and, and even at the beginning of the scene, also when he was cooking, I like how he's like, you know, you may be a wolf, you may be the scariest bandit in Hygen province, but you're a lousy tipper. <laughs> but he didn't actually say that's that. right say that to the kid, yeah it? right right because then they're like did you say that and he's like no i, I thought about it <laughs> which is funny because we've all been there we've all been at that point oh, yeah. in life somewhere at work or whatnot and you're like i wish i had said that but i totally didn't <laughs> and now uh poe gets to have a little more fun when he when he's uh He's sucking up the noodles and then he puts the bowl down and he ends with the noodles like kind of like hanging off his face and it ends up looking like uh, Shifu's whiskers and then yep. he ends up uh, imitating Shifu he gets he gets out the the boards to imitate the ears and everyone except again everyone except Tigress and they're all, they're all finding amusement in this and she Shifu does end up coming in. And he ends up seeing a bit of the whole scene, and the fun has to stop once Shifu announces, hey, you know what? Tai Long is back. And also, even there's a moment when the boards, because Poe, he stuck the boards in his chest, and then they pop right off. I feel like that's a good physical gag right there. <laughs> yes, that is a good one. But now Poe is stressed out about his destiny being to defeat Tai Long, and he, and he ended up just running out of there. And even like the Furious Five and Ty- and Shifu, they're like, "Where'd he go?" <laughs> but Shifu outraced him to the stairs. <gasps> it's the stairs again. It's those damn stairs again. Yeah. And, and and now we have this scene where Poe again. He he is very anxious. Like again, this is I I, I like these, these scenes that do truthfully confront the situation where Poe is truly fearful that he won't be able to defeat Tai Long. And again, it doesn't feel. It doesn't, it doesn't feel fake or trite. It feels real. Like, you know, this is a mm-hmm. genuine concern. 
Well, the movie's done a good job up to this point, pretty much showing us that he doesn't really have much in the way of skills. So they've done a good job of keeping you kind of on the edge, especially your first time watch. This is my first time watching it, but not really tipping their hand to you, whether maybe he is or maybe he isn't. But they're really going heavy on the he probably isn't. And this is all a terrible mistake. Yeah. And Shifu, even Shifu, he is very uncertain that he can do anything mm-hmm. to help Poe. And this ends up leading into the five. Uh, running off, or oh, actually it's Tigress. Tigress runs off first, and then the other members, her teammates, follow after her to stop Tidon before he can make it to the valley. And then the next morning, Shifu is at the peach tree, he goes back to the palace, and then he finds Poe eating snacks. And Poe yeah. is like, I eat when I'm upset, okay? And, and then Shifu tells him about the almond cookies. The monkey hides up on top shelf. So then a few seconds later, Poe goes, uh, Shifu goes away for a few seconds, Listens up, then rushes back, and it turns out that Poe has climbed all the way up there and has achieved a perfect split that amazes Shifu in the, in the process of climbing up the top shelf. Right, they figure out the uh, motivator for him <laughs> to train is going to be food. The so food. <laughs> I, I thought that was quite funny, too. I know, and, and I also love the moment when Poe is like, this is just an accident right before he falls. And then Shifu says, there are no accidents. Which the which Uguay has you know he said earlier on in the movie and that's again that's part of the whole message there are no accidents again there are all of these pieces that are being laid down for one reason or another and it's our journey to figure out what those reasons are and now Shifu leads Poe he's he's not we get we start going into the training he leads Poe to the pool of sacred tears and I, also I love that revealed when Poe is washing his armpits. <laughs> like, we do not wash our pits in the pool of sacred tears. Just the way he, like, credit to Dustin Hoffman for the vocal performance. Like, even in that scene, the way he reads that line, just so calmly. And Uwe has changed here. This is the birthplace of Kung Fu. And it, even when Poe, he gets to be a, 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 a bit of a fanboy again when he cries, when Shifu declares himself his master. And Poe just looks so genuinely happy here. And now, as the training begins, like, and Shifu realizes he needs to adjust the training methods for Poe. He can't use the methods he's been using for the Furious Five. And again, he's using food specifically. Dump- dumplings. And- dumplings. And, and dumplings are amazing. So I can 100% get <laughs> why, he's, why he's suddenly amazing at training if, if dumplings are on the line. So. Yeah, I've, actually, I've never had them before. But someday I, I need Really? Yes. Oh, man, they're good. They're good. My sister-in-law makes them, and they're Ooh. fantastic, let me tell you. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought this whole sequence was hilarious. And I, to me, it was just really funny that the motivation finally that's figured out for him was to get the food. And I loved when him and uh, Sifu are battling with the chopsticks, just trying to get the last dumpling back and forth. I thought that was hilarious. And I feel like that's also another great, you know, iconic uh, action sequence in the movie. Mm-hmm. And just I, I, and and even when Shifu, the way he says like Poe is, you know, you're free to eat, but he keeps stealing away the dumplings. And <laughs> That's right. He's free to eat as long as he can get yeah. it. <laughs> and I love when Shifu is like, "You are free to eat," and Poe is like, "Am I?" And Shifu says, "Are you?" And of course, like again, the chopstick fight uh, ensues. And I just love how Shifu he is showing flexibility here. Like again, for, for most of the movie, again, he's been so tense, so uptight. But now we're starting to see him go through it under his, his own character arc, 
we just being again more flexible, more willing to go with the flow, and change again, like you said, for change his methods to help Poe become the Dragon Warrior. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate how the beat where she threw he shuffles around boards becomes a Shakov's gun for Poe and Tai Lung's duel. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, they definitely have the callbacks there for a lot of things he's learned throughout the movie at the end. So it was it's much appreciated. Again, much more thought and effort put in to this than you would normally see in a regular kids movie. Yes. And then once once the uh, once the chopstick fight ends and Poe he gets a final dumpling, he ends up just tossing it back to Shifu and he's like, I'm not hungry, Master And they bow to each other. And now we've got the bridge fight between the Furious Five and Tai Long. And so this whole fight, what do you think of this whole fight here? Again, a- another really well choreographed, really well animated fight scene in this movie that you're not expecting. And then you, I, I expected them to, to maybe hold up a little better. But like we've said over and over again, the movie does a great job of making them feel like it's a big threat. And you're still at this point not sure that Poe is going to be able to do this. You're really, really not sure. <laughs> So it, it, it's a really great sequence. It, it just keeps contributing to that great buildup of the two battles that's going to happen. The big fight that's eventually going to happen when Tai Lung gets to the city and gets to the temple. And and you're still at this point just kind of like, man, I don't know. if Even after fighting over dumplings, I don't know if, if Poe is the one, man. I don't know if he's the one to do this. You know, yeah, even... Uh, in this fight, I also I, I like the beats like when when Tai Long he strides across the rope railing at the bridge so easily and gracefully, and just, mm-hmm. I feel like that also is another uh, it it shows like a, another sign of just again how much physical strength he has that he's just able to like just walk walk like this and and also how much how confident he is in himself. And And again, the lighting is different in this scene than it is in the other scenes, which are all bright and happy, where this is a little more dimmer, bluer. And and you're again still just faced with that fear of, man, what is going to (laughs) happen when he gets his hands on Poe later on in the movie? It's also a a nice contrast between the scene and the prison break, because in the prison break, most of the time he's just growling and, you know, and and sounding devil. He talks a bit at the end after the prison break to Zhang, but here he talks much more, and it's just it, and it's just nice to hear him because Ian McShane is the one who plays him, so it's just nice to hear mm-hmm. his voice uh, come come out of Tai Long. And the, so there's a beat though, and I gotta point out the beat in this fight after the bridge cut because again the, the the vibe I feel like they the scene does showcase the teamwork and like how they're all working together to try to take down Tai Long, but. After the cut the bridge and Tai Long, he gets tied to the rope and he sw- and he's swinging he swings around in the rope and then somehow like leaps up the sky without the fire being able to see him before he lands behind him. I am like, wait, isn't that kind of a sheet? Because I'm like, how did he just swing around like that? And I, I can kind of see it being like, well, that's how powerful he is, you know? That's how superior of a fighter he is. Yep, they 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 do go, they go out of their way during this. We've been told for the whole movie that Furious Five are like the top, the best of the best, and one of them should have been the Dragon Warrior instead of Poe. And then when they finally come up against this guy, it's all over. Like he just whoops them. <laughs> and again, it, it, it's really good foreshadowing. I think it's really well done. Uh, it's it, it makes you still like really worried. Like what is going to happen here? Like this 
they should have at least been able to hold their own a lot better, at least the way the movie was built up. But that's the conceit of the movie. And it does a great job of that is all of a sudden they, they don't do a great job. They going to get their butts yeah. kicked. So now you're just like, oh, man, <laughs> like this is just it's not going to go well. And right before the scene is high long, he, he he's able to paralyze monkey with the yep. nerve attack. And which is, I think, uh, it, it's a trick that they did not learn. But he, he learned it, but not the Furious Five. Right. So it, it, it makes you think like he's even a level above them, which again, just adds to that fear. And then we're back to Ko and Shifu. They're returning to the Jade Palace. The color, again, like you were saying, so the lighting, it's warmer here, warmer colors. Mm-hmm. They are having you know, a bit of fun. The, the energy levels are high after training, but then Crane flies in carrying his paralyzed companions. And we get a bit of a physical gag here and Monkey accidentally punches Poe after being unparalyzed. And they're all worried, they're like, you know, crap, you know, Tylon is coming back here. And they end up retrieving the Dragon Skull, which Shifu goes to achieve it. I, I love the circle symbolism on the pond when, these, uh, when he gets it from the dragon's head on the ceiling. And there's like this circle rippling out on the pond. Uh, that's that was actually symbolism. Like there's a whole bunch of like circle symbolism in the movie. Which again, like, you know, more of that symbolism, the, the imagery, which I appreciate as, you know, more layers. Yeah, and they, they do a good job of the animation in that sequence, too. So it looks really nice yeah. on top of all that. And then he gets the scroll and he looks at it. <laughs> and yes, and, and, and then Poe announces that it is blank. And I, I, I love when he is trying to offer it to Shifu. And Shifu is like, no, I can't. I'm forbidden from. And then he stops and then he's like, give me that. And then he takes a scroll and he's trying and he's looking at it. And yep, it's blank. It's just this golden reflecting scroll. And now we're like, oh yeah. crap. So what happened? And and Yeah, I liked I liked that sequence too, where he's he won't look at it, then he grabs it and he's like, What the and he's just turning it over and there's nothing there. And and, and even Poe was like, What happened to Ukwe then? Was he just was he just like crazy? What happened? Why is there no wisdom on the scroll? And even before the, the dragon scroll was opened up, I like how Shifu was telling Poe, it's like, you know, legend says you'll be able to hear a butterfly's wing beat, you know, like once you look at the scroll. And then he, he also said, and see light in the deepest cave. You will feel the universe and motion around you. And Poe is just getting so excited and he's thinking of other stuff he could do after looking at the scroll. And Shifu eventually has to be like, Poe, focus. <laughs> and he even has like trouble opening the scroll and he's even using his teeth but then but then shifu took it back from him and just popped it open so easily and i love the sound design for the pop of the cat and Poe is just like oh you know i probably you know made it easier for you it, it's a it's a good sequence and i was not expecting that so that was a good uh that was a good twist as well i was not expecting the dragon scroll to be blanks yeah. and again like did ugwe pick him by accident was it truly by accident or who knows what's happening but now Shifu is telling everyone to evacuate the villagers out of the valley while he stays behind to confront Tai Long. And he is, you know, and he says as much. He's ready to die, to die and basically has penance for his mistakes. Now everyone is rushing out, evacuating. And when Poe leaves with his dad, there's, there's a moment where he says, he's like, sometimes I can't believe I'm your son. And this is what I got to tell you. When, when it looks like, oh, 
it, I'm gonna know the answer, and then Mr. Ping is like, nope, he's gonna talk about the secret ingredient for a secret ingredient. That's right. <laughs> I, was, I was dying because I was like, all right, he's, he's like, I must tell you something. I'm like, all right, he's gonna tell him like some kind of story about how he got adopted, and it'll kind of tie back to him actually being the dragon warrior. No, no, there's just there's just no secret ingredient. The secret ingredient. <gasps> Because he be- people believe that there is. Yes, they say believe the super special. So therefore, it is special. And then that's when the light bulb turns on for Poe. He looks at the scroll again and just reflect, and he he sees a reflection of himself. And so therefore, it's like, oh, the scroll is telling you that you yourself are the secret. You are special. And this mm-hmm. is and see this is what I was talking about earlier is that the message itself again believing in yourself and your powers whatever you already possess, you know, your inherent character, is, again, it's not, it's commonplace. It's something we see a lot of times, especially in kind of like in movies aimed towards kids and animated movies. But here, again, it feels genuine. That's what I keep, I keep coming back to. And they do a good job of getting around to it, too. They yeah. don't beat you over the head with it exactly. or anything like that. Like, they do a good job of building up to that moment. And then revealing it at that moment. So especially when you were expecting something completely different. So they, the, the movie does a great job of flipping your expectations all over the place. Um, and I think that's why it's so effective in this moment. Yes. It's infused with emotional weight. Mm-hmm. And now Poe is like, and now Poe, he again, he, he looks at the scroll now and he looks back at the Jade Palace. And at that point, we cut back to there and Shifu is waiting at the palace on the front steps. And then Tai Long arrives, and he expresses how furious he is towards Shifu, and how he feels like you know Shifu could have done so much more and stuck up for him, and you know and he and he has this very strong sense of entitlement, you know as mm-hmm. they get into the, as they get into the, the fight, and I would say like there is like there's a part of me that finds him to be a somewhat of a sympathetic villain who feels like he like you know he truly believed he was gonna be get the dragon scroll. And that he has the powers, that it was his destiny. And I think particularly because of the relationship he has with Shifu as well. And I feel like my heart also goes out to Shifu, because then he feels horrible about, because he feels like he is responsible for the way that, she, that Tai Long turned out. Right, and and he, it's kind of his fault, to be honest with you. I mean, if, if you're looking at the story, it was, it, Shifu is just as at, at fault as um Tai Lung because Tai he built him up to be this thing and kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and, and gave him that idea and then Tai Lung would expected it at that yeah. point. Well, he was the pride. most powerful, clearly. Too much right. Too much pride, but but he was the most powerful. He was the best fighter. He was the best out of the furious, I guess, six at that time. And he didn't get it. <laughs> and 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 <laughs> Uguay was just kind of like, yeah, it's not you. Sorry, kid. And just like walked away <laughs> after all of that for his whole life. So I can see you could kind of, if you're right, you could kind of see why he would be so upset about it. Yes. Yes. But also obviously does not excuse his actions. Cause again, he's still doing right, terrible things. Right. And it's, I, it's conflicting because you can understand him, but also it's a sense of entitlement as well. Yes. It's actually yep. very proud. And it's like, okay, obviously he got a huge character flaw, but he can also say that comes from Shifu. Again, going back to Shifu and the way he taught him, raised him, again, with that pride. You know, like, there yep. again. And again, you know, I feel like there's a facet here to appreciate, again, in, in, the, in the dynamic between Shifu and Tai Long. 
it can even feel the heartbreak when, when, towards the end of the fight when Tai Long is like practically beating him up and he's access, he's accessing his blue she now and he's like tell me how proud you are Shifu and Shifu ends up opening up and he's like he apologizes to Tai Long for the way he raised him and you know my you know you know my heart does break there watching Shifu. Mm-hmm. But Tai Long is not happy with even the apology. He's like, I don't want the apology. I want the scroll. And that's that. And, and it's a brutal scene. Like, because he, he starts strangling Shifu. And it's just like, holy crap, is Shifu going to die here? Yeah. But Tai Long realizes the dragon scroll is gone. And then Poe shows up. Yay, the hero is here. And now Tai Long is just like, like, he is just so baffled. And even like laughing. Because now he's like, wait, the dragon warrior is a panda? And then that, that leads to, into the whole duel, the final fight between him and Poe. And this, again, this is a, such a, a great action sequence here. And even the way it starts out, like, it, 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 it squeaks in humor, too. Like, even when it opens up and Poe is, like, turning in slow-mo as Shifu races after him. That's like a, a little funny beat there. Or even when they fall down the stairs and Tai Long just gets just keeps crashing and crashing on the stairs and eventually like Poe just crushes him with his butt right into the stairs. And it's an, that was an excessive beat. Yeah, that was a, a really good sequence when they're chasing after the scroll and they're fumbling all over each other and you start to see it dawn on him that, that Poe is a goof, but everything he does in a goofy way is like working out for him. So every every dumb thing that's happening is, is always a positive for Poe as they're going through this battle. It it's you just see it starting to dawn on him as, as it's going along that 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 maybe this guy is the Dragon Warrior and he's not going to be able to defeat him. It was it was pretty pretty interesting and pretty funny. Yeah, and even like I said before, the way that Poe's weight ends up becoming an important part of the story. Again, that it it, it goes further into that believe in yourself and your abilities message where Poe ends up believing in himself and his own abilities, including his weight. And he ends up using his weight, like kind of like bouncing around or like bouncing Tai Long off of him or, or other things like that. And he, he uses all of those tactics to his advantage. Or again, like the, the, the ball shuffling moment, it comes back when Poe is up on his bamboo sticks or, or the ba- mm-hmm. and it, the bamboo stalks and, is, and he's just shuffling them around. It also reminds me of the way that Poe and Shifu were wielding their chopsticks too. That's that specific beat as well. And even like the fireworks, the fireworks also come back. Like the whole fireworks shares earlier on. Uh, or even like when Poe, he imagines just to scroll as food when it's, when it's yep. up high on the rooftop to motivate him. To it all comes back to food, doesn't it? It always comes back to food. <laughs> but if eventually Tai Long ends up just punching Poe into the ground. And he ends up getting the scroll, but then he's mystified. Like he even Tylong is like, wait, why is the scroll empty? And I love how Poe is like, it's okay, I didn't get it the first time either. And Tylong is just so furious, like because Poe just says like, hey, no, it's you. That's you. There's no special ingredient. You are the secret. But Tylong doesn't listen to him, and he tries to use nerve attack on Poe. But and again. This was set up earlier with the acupuncture. You can't find the right mm-hmm. pressure points. Right. And, and it, it, it also shows that uh, Tai Lung got the scroll, the same exact scroll that Poe got and looked at it, the same thing, and he wasn't able to see what was 
the right thing to see in it because he's just not the right person for it. Which is like, yep, that is the moment when we find out, like, hey, you know what? He was not meant to be the Dragon Warrior all the time. It was, yep. it was Poe. And also, when he uses the nerve attack, I love how it, it tickles Poe. Like, Poe is just like, yep. I'm ticklish, I'm ticklish. <gasps> and he, and they fight a bit more. There's a moment where Poe, he just clenches up his butt before, before <laughs> bouncing up Tylon. That nice little moment yep. there. And I love when Tylon, he flies up into the sky. There's a moment where Poe, he's just like, he's just standing there waiting for him, and he just twists his face a bit while waiting for Tylon to turn it back down from the sky. And when he falls back down, Tylon, he, he's like, you're just a big, fat panda. And then Poe, <laughs> and then Poe is like, I'm not a big, fat panda. I'm the big, fat panda. And by that point, he trapped Tylon with a wishy finger hold, which terrifies Tylon. Right, so we we come all the way around full circle back to the finger hold. So this is a, this is a, some great moments in this fight, and it's when you really see Poe start to become the Kung Fu Panda, become the Dragon Warrior. It's a great sequence. It's it's, it's really uplifting, and I loved it. it was, when he got him in the finger hold, I was like, all right, all right, <laughs> this guy's done for now. Yep, yep. And 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 Tylong is like, you're, you're bluffing. Shifu didn't teach you. And then Poe is like, nope, I figured it out. Skadoosh, and he lowers his pinky, and then the ring of golden energy ripples out from the valley. And again, the circle symbolism coming back again. Yep. And and then the, the villagers are all walking away, but then they come back, and they see Poe's silhouette as he's coming out of the fog. And I love how it looks like his warrior appear- appearance in the prologue. And then he appears. Yeah, I was gonna say it's real similar to the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So again, we're coming full circle back to that. So we're, we finally accepted that he is the Dragon Warrior. Yep, he is the Dragon Warrior. He comes out in his apron and the walk on his head, and now everyone is celebrating him. And Mister Peng is like, "That's my boy. That big, lovely Kung Fu Warrior is my son." <laughs> and the, the, the furious fire, the villagers, they all, they all bow to Poe. And then he remembers Shifu and hurries back to the Jade Palace. He climbs the stairs once again. <laughs> and we get this touching scene between Poe and Shifu where it really does look like Shifu is going to die for a while. Yeah, I, I was really surprised when it, it happened because I was like, oh man, like, okay, we have a good ending here. You know, everyone's happy. And then I. <laughs> He like dies. I was like, "Oh my god, like, that's really awful!" Like, why did that happen just now? But actually, he's not dead. So, uh, but yeah, he he did not die. But again, it looks like he woke up wild. And in that scene, he finally is feeling content. He is feeling the peace that he's been longing for because finally, Tylon is gone. You know, Poe has been able to defeat him. Poe has brought peace to the to the valley and to Shifu. And again, this scene does go on for a while, where it looks like where it looks like he's gonna die. Even when he closes his, his eyes, and Poe is panicking, and then finally Shifu was like, "I'm not dying, you idiot! I'm uh, a warrior. <laughs> I'm simply at peace, finally." And then Poe is like, "Oh, so I should stop talking?" And Poe and he was like, "If you can." And then Poe lies down. <laughs> the camera's looking at him upside down, and Poe just can't. He just can't rest. He's just kind of like fidgeting. He's nope. looking at Shifu. And then he asks, want to get something to eat? And then Shifu takes a moment to consider and then says, yeah. And then 
Jackson movies. That's great. Yeah, that that's a great ending. And you know, it was a fun movie. It's a fun movie. I know again, just such a blast to watch. It's actually been a while since I've sat down to watch this movie. Uh but yeah, it's just fantastic and and then also the credits. I I, I want to point out the credits and how again they continue the story. We get more we get some more visuals like Viper getting acupuncture. There's a beat where monkey realizes his almond cookies are gone. Or Shifu losing a game of Mahjong to Mr. Ping. Which, by the way, the Mahjong, as mentioned earlier on, that Mr. Ping, like, he, he's like, I, I inherited this, I inherited this from, you know, from my father, who got it from his father, who won it from a, a game of Mahjong. And also, there's a, a, a sequence, there's a visual sequence in the credits where Poe shows kids the Dragon Scroll. Because normally, it's been a secret this whole time. But, on yeah. the commentary, the directors uh, talk about how the story beat for this is that Uwe waited for someone worthy enough to come along and reveal the message behind the scroll to everyone. And that's the beat. It's like, you know, this is a secret that everyone should know that, again, mm-hmm. believe in yourself and your, your abilities. And so I like that. I like how that's, you know, communicated in the credits. Again, it's like, it actually, I really, I feel like this is one of the movies where it utilizes the credits. And they were yeah. Uh, I'll have to look them up on YouTube. I, I I did not watch the credits, but that that's a great scene. That's a great that's a great message. You know, it's a great message to the movie, and it's nice because then also you don't have to worry about anyone else coming along to steal Dragon Scroll later on if everyone's already gotten to read it. So. And also, uh, Jang, he's the one who's gluing the legendary urn of whispering warriors back together. Uh, Tigress, she mimics Shifu with a little mustache like Poe did earlier. And then another beat, I, th- I think this is a favorite beat of mine, is when Poe, he ends up adding an action figure of himself to his various five <laughs> collection, which I forgot to mention early on, he has a collection of action figures for the various five. Yeah. So now it's great that he, uh, he adds an action figure of himself, he gets to join his heroes because he himself is now part of that group. He is the Dragon Warrior. Right, he's, li- he's living his dream right now. So. And then we have the post credit scene which is a Poe and Shifu eating dumplings together under the peach tree. And then when the camera pulls back, it shows a new sapling that's growing from the seed that Shifu has chanted earlier during his final scene with Uwe. And again, just a, that's a, a poetic, poetic uh, post-credit scene to end uh, the movie on. So again, a lot of elements here circling all back around. And yep. Just, and and I also want to know that it was Randall Duck Kim who played uh who played Uwe, who you may know as the keymaker in Mat- in the Matrix Reloaded. Yep, in the Matrix. Yep. All right. Wow. Again, that is Kung Fu Panda. So, again, one of my all time favorite movies. I was glad to rewatch this again. Do you have any Do you have any more thoughts on this on this fantastic movie? I I just think it's it's a lot better than I thought it would be, and that's not to uh, put down a movie that you love, but you know, even just looking at the poster, you're like, okay, this is a dumb kids movie. Understandable, understandable. Right, but then you watch it, and like we've been talking about, there's lots of cool um, little touches here and there. You know, a lot of stuff comes circle throughout the movie that you kind of like, we're like, Oh, okay. Now I understand why this happened or why this happened. And a lot of cool use of lighting, a lot of cool animation, especially in the fights. I mean, I just think it was a really good movie. You know, I was really surprised. I was really, really surprised by how much I liked it. And I'm I'm a little surprised that she, for example, like the director, the director's 
haven't done like much other like major work aside from this. Like for example, Mark Osborne, he did stuff for, like SpongeBob SquarePants, for example, directing like a lot of the live action uh, materials with like Patchy the Pirate on SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. He was also classmates with uh, Steven Tellenberg, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants. And Mark Osborne also directed uh, The Little Prince, the 2015 animated movie, which is on my watch list, but it's always like, interesting to me, The Little Prince. Have you seen I've never seen that, but I've heard really good things about okay, it. Yeah, yeah. again, that's on my watch list, and Mark Osborne was the director of that. And then we have uh, John Stevenson, the other director of this movie, who worked as a story artist on movies like The Great Muppet Caper, Little Child of Wars, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth. And he also worked at the, the art department for DreamWorks Animation for many years on things like Shrek, Shrek 2, Madagascar, Madagascar. And in this whole movie, Kung Fu Panda, it took four years to complete, which I feel like that's actually expected. I feel like movies do tend to take, you know, maybe around that, around that, you know, time, you know, around that long. Wow. I mean, I'm just flipping through his uh, letterbox and you're right. Like he hasn't directed much, uh, John Stevenson, but he's done a ton of work. And it looks like he was he worked on Count Ducula, which not to age myself, I used to love Ooh. when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of DreamWorks stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's got a good resume. He just didn't have hadn't directed much. and He hasn't directed much since, which is weird. Yeah. And then also as for the screenplay, now the screenplay was penned by the writing team of Glenn Berger and Jonathan Abel, while the story was written by the team of Asian of Asian Reef and Cyrus Boris. Now, Reef and Warbiz were not involved with the next few sequels. However, for Glenn Berger and Jonathan Abel, they went on to write scripts for Kung Fu Panda 2 and 3. As well as gaining credits for Trolls, Alvin and the Shipmunks, the Squeakwall, Alvin and the Shipmunks, Shipwrecked, uh, Trolls World Tour, and they also wrote the story for the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run and Apple TV Plus's animated movie Luck. Which I would say, like, Luck is, luck is basically what if Inside Out. But much less fresh and enjoyable. Okay, yeah, I've never seen that. I know it was an Apple TV exclusive, and it's been in a couple theaters. It's actually playing around here. Um, it's been playing in one of the theaters around here for weeks. I'm, I'm not really sure why, but I just I have not had a chance to watch that. Uh, obviously, we didn't do it on the podcast, so um, it was not a thing on my radar. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, luck luck is fine, but also kind of bland, and you can definitely feel like how much is stealing is stealing energy from Inside Out, or even like Monsters Inc. As well. That's- that's disappointing. Um, I know there was a lot of fanfare about that movie with the guy moving over from Pixar, but that's a, that's disappointing. But I probably wasn't going to watch it anyway. So, uh, Also, I want to say that Berger and April on Wikipedia are also credited as screenwriters for an apparently upcoming adaptation of Warriors, the book series about clans of anthropomorphic cats, which I've always seen those books, but I've never read them. I just always need to cover. I never read those books. Uh, I know my kids have read those books Ooh. and they have both really liked them. So I know that it's a thing and I know that it's a popular thing. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if they could knock that out of the park, that'd be a big deal because I know there's a huge audience for that. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, Kung Fu Panda. And also I, I want to say that the first two Kung Fu Panda movies were nominated for best, an- for best animated feature at the Oscars, which is fitting, you know? That's prestigious, man. You know, get nominated for Oscar is a pretty big deal. There's a lot of animated movies all year. They only pick, what, like five? So, you know, it, it definitely means something. They, unfortunately, they didn't win. What did they lose to? Probably a Pixar movie. But 
It's okay. They got the, they got nominated. Yes, yes. And also, I would I would specifically recommend for you to check out sequels as well sometimes because I feel like especially the second movie because the second movie I feel like gets into some some surprisingly like emotionally rich material for Post and his narrative in a way that mm-hmm. it, it's surprising for I would say yeah I would, I would say that's surprising for a sequel. Nice. I mean, if they're if they're as easily available as this one, I will gladly check it out. Yes, yes. All right. Well, that's our breakdown of Kung Fu Panda, and now we can segue onwards to good words. This is a segment where each of us gets to recommend something, a book, a movie, a TV show, music, a podcast, uh, whatever we want. So, Joey, what is your good words? All right. So I'm going to recommend an animated movie that I've loved that came out, I want to say, last year. Last year has came out. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's called The Mitchells versus The Machines. Uh, have you seen yes, this? I, I love it. I, it's been okay, great. It is. Uh, it's amazing, and um, it's about a family who is just not getting along. Dysfunctional family, and then uh, robots decide to take over the world uh, through cell phone apps and hijinks ensue. Uh, it's from a lot of the same creative people that worked on. Gravity Falls, which is one of the greatest, oh. one of my favorite TV shows of all time, but one of the best. I saw that recently. Yeah. And it is just, oh, that is also amazing. So, so damn hilarious. Witty. Yeah. Gravity Falls is fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. So now I've got, now I've got two recommendations going at the same time, but Mitchell's versus the machines available on Netflix. So super easy to fire it up and watch. And it's great. It has some cool visual tricks and things going on in it. Um, Lord Miller, who did uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the first Lego movie, um, they're amazing guys, and they executive produced this and kind of had a hand in helping it along, along with extremely talented people from Gravity Falls working on it. And it's just really funny, and it's fun. I've, I managed to convince my wife to sit down and watch it. She's not a nice. big let's watch an animated movie unless the kids forced us to when they were younger type of person. <laughs> And um, she loved it. She thought it was hilarious. So uh, there you go. Proof in the pudding right there, man. I I would highly suggest everybody, if you're bored, you got nothing going on. Maybe your team's out in baseball or, you know, your team's not doing good in football. You've just got plenty of time to sit around, do something. Watch Mitchell's versus the machines on Netflix. Good, good. And I'm glad you recommended that. Because again, that is a a favorite of mine. And in general, Lord and Miller, you know, I love their work. And I, as listeners of this show will know, you know, I just did an episode recently on Cloudy with a Chance to Meet Falls, and I also gave tons of praise for that movie along with my guests, and just, yeah, fantastic. And I, I'm glad to see that there's a lot of love for Mitchell's versus Machines, you know? I'm yeah. It, it, it also got nominated for an Oscar. Unfortunately, didn't win. I was pulling for it really hard, but yeah, um, yeah it, kind of an un, undis, undiscovered gem by some people, I think. Uh, you may not be a big animated movie person out there. And I don't know how you made it through this whole episode. If you don't like animated movies, cause it's all we've been talking about, but the, uh, you see it kind of come across on Netflix as you're scrolling and you're like, uh, it's a kid's movie. I don't want to watch it or whatever. Uh, swallow that down and just suck it up and, and check this movie out. Cause it's got a lot of great humor and I, I really liked it. Yeah. It was in my top five of the year last year. So good. Good. That's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, now you've given you a good word and, before I give my good word, I do want to say that I was looking up the information here for the Oscars, and I found out that uh, Kung Fu Panda, again, it was nominated for an Oscar, 
The other nominees were Bolt and Wally, and Wally ended up winning for the year okay. for, for the year 2008. With Wally, pretty pretty good. I would say personally, my favorite between Hunky Panda and Wally, I feel like uh, Hunky Panda is personally my favorite. But I can also see like Wally is definitely that that's a a good Pixar movie as well. Yeah, at least it wasn't something where you were kind of like, oh my god, how did this thing beat? Kung Fu Panda, like we, you can kind of look at Wally and be like, all right, I understand why people would give that the award. Yes. And uh, something that does upset, kind of upset me though, is that for a few of these years, for, for like for 2008, 2007, 6, 5, 4, and 3, they only have three nominees for these years. Oh. Whereas other years, they've had five nominees, which is kind of weird. Like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe there weren't as many like animated movies to nominate. I don't know, but kind of strange. At least now we have the five nominees, you know, give more space. Right, and it, it wouldn't be the Oscars if you didn't look at the winner or the nominees and get angry in some sort of way. So I think that's kind of their, their trademark at this point. So. Yes. Now, what I'm giving a good word for is going to be Last Night in Soho, which is a movie that I know, this is a divisive movie. I know there are a lot of people who do not love it, and I can understand why. But personally, I'm going to defend it here and say that I was very much into the, the mood that this movie builds up, the atmosphere, uh, just even like the cinematography, the lighting, all the twists and turns of the plot. The way that it, the way that it straddles the line between thriller and horror. Uh, I love the, 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 the performances by Thomas and McKenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy. It's a movie that I would say is definitely flawed. I have some issues mm-hmm. with the way that the plot like unfolds, and I'm like, wait, this feels like it's kind of like inconsistent at points. The script could have been tightened up. To a point where I'm like, wait, it's a it's a messaging kind of problematic as the movie is trying to tackle misogyny in certain areas. Does it fail to do that? It was an interesting movie to watch because I watched it with a friend of mine on Discord. And afterwards, we definitely had a big discussion about it. We were, we were both generally like, positive towards the movie, but we also both had issues, and so it was interesting to discuss those issues afterwards. So in general, I do I think this is a, a memorable movie, at least for me. It's a movie, movie that will stick with me for a while, or be thinking about it for a while. I think it would also be interesting to rewatch it in the future and reprocess it. So again, Last Night in Soho, directed by Edgar Wright. This is actually my first movie of his that I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Okay. I'd like to see more of his movies. He definitely has a strong style. I would uh, highly suggest uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Oh, yes. I've heard things about those. Those are his two best movies. I did see Last Night in Soho. I would watch Anya Taylor-Joy read the phone book. So I was there day one. But you know, it, it you're you're 100 correct. It, it's um, got some amazing visuals in this. There is a sequence, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a sequence where both of the main actresses are kind of mirror mirroring each other um, throughout, like a dance sequence and some other things as she walks down the stairs and she's doing things in a theater, and the other one's doing the same stuff. And it's just phenomenal FX and camera work at times in this movie, like just blows you away. Um, and, but it does, it does run out of steam towards the end and get a little too convoluted and a little too, um, 
just doesn't not, some of the beats just don't hit towards the end unfortunately the story kind of falls apart yeah yeah and again but i th- i think i think you that you're right though that the the visuals the acting a lot of the camera work the music i love the music and, and right the music like a lot of this stuff is really really good so for me I, I was at a four out of five on this one i just loved it a lot i was willing to overlook a lot of those flaws <laughs> to enjoy the movie yeah. i could see the same thing though where somebody would just be like i can't stand this movie <laughs> but for me and it looks like for you it was a, it was a really good time I, I i second your recommendation of that movie it was a really really interesting time and i would highly suggest for you deep dive into Edgar Wright's movies. He's only got like five or six movies anyway. So it's not, it's like a week for you. It's a week. You can watch it all in a week, but I mean, I mean, he, he's got some great work out my there. My friends too, who I watched this with on Discord, they really enjoyed it too. So, you know, it's got some love, you know, coming from one of us. So again, last night in Soho, that is my good word. And for you, it is Mitchell versus Machines. And now that is our episode on, again, Kung Fu Panda. Thank you so much, Joey, for making this time to come on here. And now you can promote your social, promote so with your podcast, promote yourself. Promotion time. Oh, f- fantastic. Thank you. Um, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, So Wizard Podcast, it's uh, four friends. We've got a weekly podcast and a YouTube all about movies and TV shows. SoWizardPodcast.com is the hub for everything. You'll find links to the show, links to all our socials, links to all our video content. So hit up SoWizardPodcast.com or just search us on just about any place under the sun you get podcasts and all the socials we're on tiktok instagram facebook twitter come on over and find us check us out like i said we just did as this drops we'll probably have just done halloween ends we've got black adam coming up we've got wakanda forever coming up towards the end of the year we got avatar 2 there's a lot of big movies still to come in this 2022 so jump on board grass onion don't get grass onion yep uh, Glass Onion, yeah, that's another one. I can't wait to do that one as well. There's there's a lot of there's always good movies out there, so definitely you know come check us out, and if you like it, stick around. Yay! And as for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore sans critic. You can follow me on Twitter at also underscore ant eighteen. That's also the same handle I use for Good Pods, Storygraph, Letterboxd, and you can also find me on Goodreads at also Howell. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email two cents critic at yahoo.com. You can also check out my blog at two cents critic.com and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, all of those streaming services. And you can give the reviews, and it'll help to bump up the numbers, the algorithm for the podcast, spread it to more listeners. And again, thank you so much, Joey, for joining me for Kung Fu Panda. Thank you for having me anytime. You want to talk about something? Come hit me up. Yay. And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong.